Greetings. Welcome to the 16th in our series of MJHS Institute for Innovation and Palliative Care Interprofessional Webinar Series. My name is Dr. Lisanne McGill, and I'm the manager for the Creative Arts Therapy Program here at MJHS, the Institute for Innovation and Palliative Care. I have nothing to disclose. And today's webinar is focusing on the use of music therapy strategies in symptom management, particularly in hospice and palliative care. The purpose of our, of our webinar today is to provide information about the use of music therapy strategies to assist in the treatment and management of symptoms. I will review data trends in reports that have examined the effects of music therapy on a range of disease-related symptoms and provide a brief overview of assessment, treatment, and evaluation procedures used to address symptoms related to hospice and palliative diagnoses. We will conclude by looking at indications for referral and treatment. I would like to offer a quick disclaimer and just say that there are many, many research studies and I'm going to only provide a synopsis and also look at the aggregate trends that have, have occurred over the data. And you will be provided a list of references at the end with your handout. A definition that I find useful and helpful is that music therapy is the use of personalized music therapy interventions and psychotherapeutic processes with a licensed professional board certified music therapist. It is designed to treat symptoms and issues and also to provide support to the patient and family as they explore their needs and issues related to their lives and also their circumstances. It is patient and family centered. It is also relationship-based, and the artistic and psychological processes are the dynamic forces for change. So it's very the very intricate relationship, an intimate relationship that is established between the patient, the caregivers, and the therapist plays a very fundamental role in this process. There, since the early 20th century particularly, there have been a lot of research studies that have been conducted that have shown us that music alters physiological responses, music alters mood, and music facilitates communication. We know that music can affect heart rate, blood pressure, pain reports can also affect rate of respiration and other physiological responses such as symptoms of fatigue. We also know that music alters mood, that when we hear a piece of music that it can deeply tap into our emotions. We also know that music stimulates the communicative responses so that when music, when patients, for example, who have limited communication communication abilities, when they hear familiar pieces of music, they will respond and will music will reach and penetrate and help them connect to their social environment. This music facilitates communication. There are inherent attributes of music that help explain why music is such an important can really serve in this capacity in such meaningful ways. Music is a multifaceted medium that provides sensory stimulation that arouses images, memories, and emotions. The dynamics of music, especially in combinations of, for of forms, are known to elicit certain responses. For example, slow, steady rhythms tend to elicit relaxation responses, and gently upbeat and faster rhythms and tempos tend to stimulate motor activity and also elevate and increase and lift mood. So within reason, certain types of music can stimulate certain emotions. There was an interesting study done in the 1950s by a scientist by the name of Caperso, who examined 1,075 university students and asked them to rate 61 pieces of music according to six categories of mood. 
and he found that there was significant listener agreement. So, for example, John Philip Sousa's Stars and Stripes Forever was classified as stimulating and invigorating, and Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata was classified as stirring melancholy. So within limits, I have to stress that within limits, music can stimulate certain types of moods. However, there's an inherent and deep relationship between music and memory. Humans have highly personal relationships with music. It is deeply embedded within our memories and the thoughts and emotions that associated with these memories ultimately drive our emotional responses. Thus, personal association with music significantly impacts our responses. Thus, music and music therapy cannot be prescriptive. We are commonly asked, what kind of music do you recommend to help us relax? We can't truly can't predict how a person is going to respond to music. What may be calming and soothing and satisfying to one person may be completely agitating and aggravating and also disturbing to another. I'd like to share a brief example here. I was referred to a gentleman, a 58-year-old gentleman with stage 3 lung cancer. He had just been diagnosed with, with, this, with lung cancer and was hospitalized was away from his family and he was referred to me for his anxiety and his tension and also his feelings of overall discomfort. When I walked into the room with my guitar, he asked me if I knew Pachelbel Cannon and if I would please play it for him. I played it in an instrumental style using soft and gentle rhythms and tempos and tone. And during the piece of music, he began to weep and I slowly asked him if he would like me to stop and he said no to please play to the end. And when I did, when I finished, he said that he had forgotten that that was the piece of music that he had been married to 10 years prior. So in his mind, he had associated this piece of music with prior times before his marriage when he was very relaxed and was, was able to really enjoy the music. But now, especially in the context of his illness, this piece, same piece of music stirred up a lot of emotion for him. So. What one, what same piece of music might be very relaxing to another patient, for him, he found it meaningful to hear, but was not necessarily relaxing music in, in that setting. But at the same time, it did provide him some relief. So music and memory are closely linked, and in music therapy, we commonly, we always pay very close attention to the historical relationship with music. Music is dy dynamic and malleable. So, Music therapists can adapt the rhythm of music and the tempo of music to the patient and family needs in the moment. Therefore, music therapists use live music in sessions primarily for this reason, so that we can adapt the rhythm of the music to the patient's breathing and then use the rhythm of the music to help the patient find a more satisfying breath rate. And we can adapt the mood and the tempo and the style of the music to the patient's emerging moods. Music is time-sequenced and provides structure and order, and it also provides a social context so that patients and families can come together within the, sound, within the songs or the, the times in music together. So it provides, it provides the social context and the social connection. And really, music crosses all domains. I'm going to begin talking about the symptoms, and I'm going to focus primarily on four symptoms, pain, agitation, and also we're going to look at dyspnea and mood. And again, I want to stress that some, there are numerous studies, and many of which 
too many to even begin to report. So I'm looking at the trends in this um, webinar. Music therapy aims to promote relaxation and alteration in mood and sense of control and self-expression. Music therapy is known as one of the non-pharmacological approaches to reduce pain and, com and improve comfort. And, and very consistently we get reports from patients that, that their pain, that their symptoms of pain have improved post-session. Music therapy strategies are individually developed with consideration given to the patient's physical, emotional, and psychological needs, their coping abilities, and also the prior musical experiences, which is also very important. Studies have shown us that preferred music that brings contentment and feelings of comfort is key to this process, and consequently music that does not bring that, that mood state or that sense of comfort is not helpful in this setting. Active involvement in the music therapy sessions is very important because we, we aim to help the patient and family feel involved in their pain management and we teach them simple, simple techniques and strategies to use during pain exacerbations. And I will talk more about that in a few minutes. The presence of the, the music therapist and the verbal and nonverbal support that is offered to the, and also the verbal suggestions that is offered within the session also plays a very fundamental role. So the listening presence of the music therapist really provides a lot of support to the patient and family, and the families are, and the patients are given opportunities to express their feelings and needs as they as they come up in sessions. As we know, pain is a very subjective experience, and the comprehensive perspective of pain is very fundamental to this process. The stimulus of music has been described as a distraction stimulus, altering the transmittal of information concerning the painful stimuli and thereby altering the perception of pain. According to Melzack, auditory stimulation can influence perception of pain. Research demonstrates the significance of the sensations of sound, especially emotionally stimulating and pleasing musical sounds, to profoundly affect the processing patterns that take place in the human brain. It has been shown that music can decrease the ability of the central nervous system to carry noxious stimuli to the brain for conscious awareness. Thus, music can play a very important role in pain management. Music can intervene and alter the perception of the pain experience through psychoneurological processes, for example, cognitive, affective, and sensory. Since we know that music can alter mood with the guidance and support of the music therapist, patients can find a safe place within the music. Likewise, patients can refocus their attention away from the painful stimuli and into and onto associations and memories, and also pleasing images and, and beliefs, thoughts. As, as pain is an entirely subjective experience, music therapists pay a lot of attention to the, the, all the complements to the total pain experience. Music therapy has been known to diminish and to decrease symptoms of agitation and also to improve comfort. Music is, a non is known as a non-pharmacological anxiolytic that can reduce anxiety and tension. And there are numerous, excuse me, numerous studies that have shown us these things, that music can reduce aggressive and agitated behaviors and improve mood, improve cooperation with daily tasks, such as bathing. There have been numerous studies to document these findings. One of the most important features of music therapy is its ability to, the potential for us to serve as a medium for communication. When abilities to communicate become diminished, patients may exhibit increased agitation and anxiety. 
So when provided with the means to express non-verbally or verbally with, within to, to familiar songs or for, through instrument playing, they find relief from agitation and, and will find relaxation and sense of comfort. So music can reduce the isolation that can be experienced in this setting, which can significantly improve symptoms of agitation. So in, in music therapy sessions, then the music therapist will find music that brings a sense of calm and will help, help the patient to relax and also to find a comfortable breath rate. And music will then, in time, when appropriate, will be used to, to help them express and perhaps sing. Music therapy has also been found to help with symptoms of dyspnea, that it can prove relaxation and, and reduction of anxiety that's associated with dyspnea. Studies have demonstrated that, that by incorporating soft, soothing melodies and rhythms, relaxation that can improve relaxation, that patients can find more comfort through this. Appropriate and patient-preferred music offered with soothing dynamics has been observed to reduce muscular tension, stabilize rate of respiration, and promote sense of calm. Empirical studies document these trends that demonstrate the use of music therapy to treat dyspnea. And research also shows that breath rate and heart rate tend to adapt to the rhythm of music, so that when we perhaps start a piece of music with the rate of the patient's respiration and then try and then gently, gradually slow the music down, that the patient will tend to adapt to that rhythm of music. And we teach family members as well as the patients to use music during dyspnea as exacerbation, excuse me, and to incorporate and to use techniques that will really help them in the home setting and in between visits. So we, we do a lot of family education and help them use whatever tools they have in the home to help them with these symptoms. Music also provides a distraction from external and also the internal stimuli that may exacerbate the symptoms as well. Throughout time, for centuries and centuries, humans have recognized the inherent link between music and mood. Historical and current research trends inform us of the complex interactions between music and the brain and the wide range of neurobiological systems that are affected as we listen to music and that in turn affect our emotions and our cognition. So fundamental to the process of music therapy in this setting, in hospice and palliative care settings, is the deep internal association between music, memories, images, and transpersonal and transcendent thoughts and experiences. Patients report that music lifts them and helps transport them to places of peace and times of connection and times of meaning. So those those tendencies for music to help patients lift in terms of mood and in terms of their thoughts is, is very key and fundamental to, to the process of, of helping patients find comfort in music therapy. All of these intricate and complex interactions play roles in our emotional responses to music. There are many, many studies that, that demonstrate the effect of music therapy on mood. So music therapists pay close attention to the patient's personal connections and experiences with music and, list, and bring to the patient's experience music that really helps them find the most sense of comfort in the moment. And again, I want to stress in the moment because what may be satisfying one day may not be the next. So it's on a daily basis. And we teach family members that as well. I'd like to review briefly 
two, two of the many Cochrane reviews that have been done, systematic reviews that have looked at uh, numerous randomized control studies and have looked at the trends of data. In one Cochrane review that looked at psychological and physical outcomes in cancer patients, the results showed that over 30 trials with 1,891 patients, that the research trends showed that there was um, that music interventions may have a beneficial effect on symptoms of anxiety, and that a positive impact on mood, and that some there there was there were some effective responses in, with physiological responses of heart rate, respiration, and blood pressure. There was a small reduction in these these categories, and also. In symptoms of pain, there was a moderate pain-reducing effect. And with the two studies that looked at quality of life, these two trials suggested a beneficial effect of music therapy on the patient's quality of life. In the second Cochrane, I'm going to look at briefly here, the findings suggested that music listening may have a large anxiety-reducing effect on mechanically ventilated patients. The results also suggested that Music listening consistently reduces respiratory rate and systolic blood pressure, suggesting relaxation response. There are numerous Cochrane examples and Cochrane reviews that are available in the literature, and I, I recommend you to look through them all because they're very important to look at. I'm going to review with you briefly the procedures that we use in music therapy. We, the referral here at MJHS comes through the Creative Arts Therapy Manager, which is me, who is me, and who I then re review the patient's primary needs and the family's needs and assess the need and then assign to music therapist in the community. Then the music therapist will go to the, to, they will contact the patient and family and make an initial assessment, which is a comprehensive assessment. But this comprehensive assessment, I want to stress, is ongoing and Sometimes it takes two or three sessions and sometimes numerous sessions to really get a full understanding of the patient's history and the, the primary needs and issues that the patient and family may be experiencing. And that these experiences, which may, be, may potentially be shaping the symptoms. A treatment plan is developed in collaboration with the interdisciplinary team. And again, this is ongoing and updated continuously. And personalized treatment approaches are designed to address symptoms. And the, the approaches are based on patient and family preferences for music and whatever music they find really helpful. And if, if for example, there is um, a diminished sense of self-control or sense of control, then a lot of the music therapy will be geared to really helping the patient find that sense of being able to monitor his or her own um, needs within their home setting using music and music therapy approaches. If stress and anxiety are primary issues, then the finding ways within the home or within the facility to help them incorporate music to really help reduce these symptoms on a daily basis. And likewise with pain and all the other symptoms. So the, treat the treatment approaches are very personalized and are built upon the patient's needs at the time. There's also the look at the long-term needs. So the music therapist focuses a lot on the, the complements of the patient and family experiences. For example, we really try to help the patient and family look at their life contributions and build legacy projects with the patient and the family together, which may, for example, com compile like stories of their lives or 
a photo display of their lives, or they will write songs for one another and help them reconnect with their areas of meaning in their life. And we also help patients and families find meaningful times for communication, accent really really emphasizing their sense of dignity and also really helping the family cope. We spend a lot of time with families and listening to their needs and providing them with a lot of support. There are numerous assessment tools that the music therapists use. The therapists use a 10-point Likert scale pre and post session to understand the patient's verbal report of pain, tension, anxiety, and mood and fatigue. And we generally see improvement in these symptoms post-session. And we're constantly, the music therapy sessions are, con are very interactive so that we, within the session, if, if a patient is not finding comfort with, with certain kinds of music or with the musical experience, then we will adapt it in the moment and really try to help them find the comfort that, that they need. We also do, do this with family members to really get a better understanding of, of their, their experiences in session. We also listen to the patient's verbal report of their psychosocial and family and emotional issues as they emerge. And we also look, as I said, at areas of meaning and fulfillment and also with the relationship with music. So we really try to we use these as the verbal reports as a big piece of our assessment. And we also use our own subjective assessments. We look for tension and anxiety to, areas of relaxation or tension. We look at facial expressions, and we look at breathing patterns, and we look at affect before, during, and after sessions. We look at level of orientation and if that's affected in any way by the music therapy. And we get a, a picture of their general overall presentation. So we use the verbal and the subjective simultaneously and ongoingly. We also use a visual analog scale, the faces and the flag, as ways to help us really better identify what, what some of the symptoms are in sessions. Then we compile a narrative report that is put into our electronic system. And again, these assessments are ongoing and they occur on a session-by-session basis. And also in between sessions during IBT meetings, we gather more information. Treatment strategies are individualized. And I'm going to refer to five here. Entrainment is one where we, where we work by using the ISO principle initially, trying to match the music to reflect the mood of the patient and the caregivers. So we use the ISO principle to help us really tune the music, attune the music to the patient's mood in the moment. And then we also use the entrainment features of music, for example, the rhythm and the tone and the melody to help the patient synchronize to the dynamics of the music. And I'm, I have a brief example I'm going to share with you in, in a minute here on entrainment and how we use it in sessions. But it is very effective. It, we find that uh, patients find a lot of re relief from the use of this strategy. We also use a lot of vocalizations. Chanting, toning, and humming are key vocalizations that we use, and some of them are improvised and some are not. Of course, we always use songs too. Well, almost always use songs, and songs are very powerful because they provide the framework within which patients and families can can 
express words or thoughts or, or feelings that they may be feeling. Uh, patients will often refer, request to hear a song that may exactly exp express what they're thinking and feeling that they're just having a lot of difficulty expressing. So the song will serve as a vehicle for their expression. But chanting, toning, and humming can be used with or without words. Chanting is a, the use of repetitive melody with gentle rhythms and that can help a patient find regulated breath patterns and can help them focus attention. And with chanting, it can also provide the framework for us to incorporate words or images of meaning, for example, hope, love, peace, um, fear, anxiety, sadness, whatever word they want to incorporate, and then to try to begin to use uh, words that will really bring a sense of peace for them. Toning is the use of just vocalizations at a certain tone, and it can have a powerful effect on helping patients and family members feel centered again within themselves and to find a place of relaxation. And humming can be very soothing for oneself as well as for the, the, the loved one. The circle technique is a little technique that I've used very frequently with families and also with individual patients. It involves the use of the placing the hand on the heart to center into the rhythm and into the energy flow within the, the human being, within oneself, and then to think of creating a circle for oneself, which involves the giving and receiving. So the giving of support to oneself, as well as the receiving of the energy, the heartbeat, the breath flow, whatever whatever one can experience in touch and putting my hand here. With the family, it's very effective because the family members will place a hand on the loved one, and again, think of giving and receiving through their hands. Mindful music listening is also a very simple technique which can help a patient focus and can help dis focus thoughts away from perhaps distract distracted or unpleasant imageries or thoughts that may be, may be penetrating a person's mind. So mindful music listening involves helping the patient and or family member to really think about the music that they're listening, to focus on the sounds, the words, and to, to really center into the music fully. And it's, it's a wonderful technique to help patients um, experience this. I had a patient once, a young 24-year-old woman who was stage four ovarian cancer. And when I walked into my the room, my first visit to her, she said, you know, I, I feel very sad because I used to love music, but now I just can't listen to it anymore because when I listen to it, all I can think about is, is all, of the, all of the difficulties that I'm having right now. So my initial step with her was to help her find a comfortable place within music. So we began to use lyrics in songs rather than instrumental music, which was her prior favorite kind of music. So I encouraged, I found songs that had positive in, images that, that she would want to focus on and uh, nature scenes that she preferred and encouraged her just to listen to the words and to let her mind stay with the words and it was very effective for her. 
of course, over time, I, we in, in a relationship in music therapy, we she had lots of time and opportunity to talk about her her fears, and eventually she was able to listen to recorded um, instrumental music again. But this technique really helped her be able to find comfort in music. Musical imagery is very powerful. We use music in conjunction with with images and with um, perhaps guided guided imagery or perhaps like progressive relaxation texts. So we use music that is supplemented by words and it can really help also patient find a lot of comfort. I'm going to play, play a brief example here. This is an example of the use of music for entrainment. So here the music therapist will begin to use sounds to kind of echo the patient's vocalizations. That's an example of the use of music to, to initially try to match the patient's vocalizations and to help her find a, and if you notice the patient did become more relaxed. This is an example of the use of a repetitive vocal piece, a common piece of music that in this case the patient really liked. The daughters here were expressing that they felt sad of not, at not being able to hear from the mother anymore because she was really have withdrawn, emotionally withdrawn due to feelings of sadness. So I offered to use this familiar chant-like melody called Peace Like a River and during which they could incorporate their own words to sing to their mother. I 
probably could see how the mother was um, beginning to look at the daughters more and smiling and it also provided the daughters with means to, to express some of their thoughts to her. So chanting will do that. Chanting will provide this gentle steady rhythm and repetitive rhythm and also these opportunities to incorporate words. This is an ex a little image picture of what the circle technique can be used with a family. The, first of all, the family members are invited to, um, and of course the patient can be sitting in this circle as well, um, that the, the, the individuals are invited to put their hand here on their chest and then to tune into themselves and then when they're ready and if they want to find a way to connect with others, with each other. So that here they are offering the touch to provide support to one another while also feeling the support from one another. So the giving and receiving is what creates this circle. Again, as I said before, music and guided imagery is the use of guided images and progressive relaxation and also incorporating natural and environmental seeds preferred, preferred by the patient is also very important. Indications for referral, I want to briefly review here that patients are referred for challenging symptoms, for example, pain, respiratory, agitation, insomnia, fatigue, or mood. So when patients are experiencing any difficulty managing these symptoms, then they're referred to music therapy. When there's patient and family distress or issues with dynamics or caregiver strain, they can, they're also referred. When there's anticipatory grief and desire for life review or existential quests in place then or the need for existential quest, then music therapy is very beneficial. We at MJHS have a pediatric population, so with patients as well as children and family members are seen by the music therapist and our art therapist as well. When there's symptoms of coping issues in, in, with the patient and or in the home, the music therapists are, are referred to, to visit the patients and families to help them develop improved coping skills. When a patient is actively dying or in the inpatient unit and during extubation, other special procedures, as well as during times of bereavement. In conclusion, I want to say that music therapy helps improve various symptoms experienced by patients receiving hospice care. Treatment approaches must be individualized and must maintain patient and family-centered focus. Music therapists conduct ongoing assessments and evaluations and adapt strategies and treatment plans accordingly. Within the context of the therapeutic process, music therapy can address symptoms of some suffering and enhance patient and family sense of meaning at the end of life. And for additional resources, please contact the MJHS Institute for Innovation and Palliative Care, the Creative Arts Therapy Program, 
be, be happy to help direct you to other resources. We now have time for questions, and I have a few questions here. And we have a question here, does dissonant atonal or polyrhythmic music work as well as nice sounding music? Well, that's a very good question, <laughs> and I've often wondered that myself. Um, I would say not in this setting because um, unless, generally no, but unless if a patient and or a family member has very positive associations with that type of music, then it can be used as a way to help them reflect on their lives and to help them get back in touch with moments and times of meaning of their life. So in general, it does not um, soothe the pain or the symptoms as effectively as tonal and harmonic and very gently rhythmic music will. However, if there is that positive association with that type of music, that always has to be considered. And we do have an art therapy program here. A question says you are ref you refer to art therapy. To what extent you collaborate, co-treat with others? It's a very good question. In our own creative arts therapy program, we have an art therapist and we have five music therapists, four full-time and one per diem. And these, these therapists work very closely together. They uh, may not work simultaneously in sessions, although occasionally they will. We do have a full internship program, and our interns will also work with the art therapist at different times throughout their time here as, as a student. Our art therapist works um, with patients, adult and children patients, as well as children of, in bereavement, as well as family members in bereavement. Likewise, music therapists work with children and adults pre and post and also work pre-death as well as during bereavement. Now in terms of our interaction with other art and music therapists in the community, we, we do participate in uh, programs that are available to the community as well as to the state of New York. And we, um, we work very closely with some of the therapists in these programs, these meetings that occur regularly. However, within MJHS, we do we do collaborate and we do we do share our treatment goals and plans together, and we, we meet regularly on a once a month basis to to review issues pertinent to our program. How often do we provide music therapy for our patients? Now that's also a very good question. We it depends on the acuity. It depends on the need of the patients and families. Of course, if there's a patient who's actively dying, we we will try to. Um, go as frequently as we can. We, we have one music therapist in each of our boroughs and they cover a broad territory as you can imagine and we do have numerous. We have, we have a census of over 900 patient hospice patients plus we do have palliative care patients in the community as well. So within every borough uh, we have numerous referrals that come in on a, on a weekly basis. So our therapists have to strategize and have to, to triage the patients according to their needs. And if there's a music therapist on site through another program, then we do collaborate with them and we, we try to help provide the patient with support in the meantime. We also do a lot of education, as I said. We teach staff and we also teach family members how to incorporate some of these techniques in between sessions so that they can benefit from use of music in the home or in the facility wherever they are on an ongoing basis. 
So I'd say overall, on a, about a once every two week basis, we visit the patients and families, but of course it depends on the needs. Does music therapy have an effect with delirium? That's a very good question. Um, music therapy can can bring a sense of orientation to the moment. Therefore, if, if a patient is, is, is experiencing a lot of delirium from um, the illness or from terminal agitation or from or, uh, exacerbations of symptoms or if it's, if it's a state that they're experiencing quite frequently due to disease, then we will um, incorporate some centering and, and in the moment types of techniques to help them to, to get a sense of, of the presence of others around them and to help them reconnect with the moment in whatever ways is possible. It can it can help if the, with this with the skill of the music therapist to really help them use the, the techniques within music, for example, the words and the rhythms to help the patient come to the moment. For research purpose, how would you choose the, the genre genre of music? How long should we provide music, and how often should we provide it? Very good question. The genre of music is determined, is really based on the patient and family needs, their cultural experiences, their cultural preferences, their historical preferences and relationships with music. So the genre of music is patient-centered and patient-preferred. I have time for one more question. How would the music therapist use music during procedures? Well, we use music as a way to help the patient find comfort and whatever the procedure is, we help them, we use the distraction of the music and the sound to help them find relaxation. I need to close now, unfortunately, and um, please, please be in touch with us if you need to. I would like to remind you that of our next webinar, which is on May 28th at 12.30 p.m., and the title of that webinar is Management of Nausea and Constipation in Advanced Illness. And please complete the, the webinar evaluation to help us in planning future sessions future future webinars and I thank you so much for joining us today and we welcome you to come to our next and all of our webinar series. Thank you.